Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today. Hey, the music in the background is from our good buddy, Mr. Drew Holcomb. It's our last week with his songs. Man, have I enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Drew, for sharing Dragons with us. Make sure you grab a copy of the album if you haven't already. Hey, just want to tell you guys about one of the friends who is making today's show possible. Christmas is right around the corner, as you know. Do you struggle with finding fun and unique stocking stuffers that either won't break within a day or aren't full of sugar or chemicals? Or how about a gift for your foodie-loving friends? Or how about a gift and a snack that brings people together? You know what sounds fun? Give the kids and the kids at heart in your life a gift this year that really pops. You ready? It's free day popcorns popping ears. Y'all, I love these so much. I've had them in my house for a couple weeks, and they are so fun. So here's what you do. You can place the popping ear on the turntable of your microwave. No bag or bowl required. And you set it for two to three minutes and watch the popcorn (laughs) pop off the cob and fill up your microwave. Now, listen, you don't have to put it in a bowl. I put it in a bowl just so it doesn't quite go everywhere. But it's kind of fun. Kids, all of us will kind of ooh and ah at the popping ears dancing around the microwave. The best part, once you're done watching, you've got a healthy whole grain snack with no GMOs, gluten, or unpronounceable ingredients. Nate and Stacy Freitag and their four daughters started Free Day Popcorn to bring you the freshest popcorn available without growing it yourself. Farm fresh popcorn is light and crisp and has fewer holes. Plus, you can feel good about supporting a small family farm in the process. I love that part. Hey, also in addition, Popping Ears Free Day Popcorn also has a selection of popcorn kernels and mason jars and burlap bags that are perfect for gift giving. So make your day a free day. Visit freedaypopcorn.com and use the code that sounds fun at checkout for 20% off your purchase through December 19th. Again, that's freedaypopcorn.com and use the code that sounds fun for 20% off. You guys, I'm not kidding. I, it is really fun. <laughs> I have the popcorn's delicious and it's been so fun to pop it in the microwave and pop it right off the kernel. Today on the show, you guys, I just love her. I absolutely love her. Jordan Dooley is an author, an entrepreneur. She is just, she's just cool. I just liked her so much. Her new book, Own Your Every Day, is absolutely excellent. She's just fun. Y'all just better get ready. This is a firecracker way to get ready for the holiday week, to get ready for Thanksgiving in America, to get ready for switching over to Christmas music. This is the one. So here is a great conversation with my friend, Jordan Dooley. All right, let's do it. All right, we're really doing this. We are. (laughs) An hour later. I know. An hour of processing our lives. We needed to. That was a priority. (laughs) Tell me what it is like for you. We just jump in if that's okay. Yeah, let's just jump in. Uh, one of the joys of sitting in the same room is we do get to take an hour before we hit record and like talk about like work yeah. and like what we're doing and how we're doing it. What has it been like for you, for your coworkers like this to be spread out all over the country? <laughs> um, it actually makes it really fun. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, okay. So I think it's, it's tough because you want to be in the same room with people, right? Right. Like I want to um, do this once a week. I know. Same. And I think the FaceTime is so key, but yeah. I think what I have found is getting to even come down and be in Nashville with you um, and be having people in different places it can be it can be hard but I also really love the the time that I actually get and I'm in a season where I can travel a lot yeah and so we've traveled a lot it's tiring but having co-laborers and friends and co-workers in different areas of the country different uh, arms of an industry and doing slightly different things I feel like I get to learn from and I also feel like I get adventures every time I get to be with friends Yes. So there's something fun about that. <laughs> you're, and you're, tell them your Enneagram number. The three. A three, which I love. 
all the way through and through. I'm pretty sure it's a three four wing. Yeah, the Do you, creativity. You have a lot of feelings. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of creativity. Yeah, like weave through that. Mm-hmm. So we've we're leaning towards the three four. I mean, I okay. haven't like. What made you and Matt, Matt's a nine, your husband. He's a nine. What made y'all decide to start caring about the Enneagram? What made it get in your (laughs) life? Ah, man. Well, I think part of it was just, it was one of those things that kept coming up, kept coming up from friends. And I'm like, we need to figure this out. Right. Uh, And then like, if we're going to be at a table with our friends, we need to be able to have a conversation (laughs) about talking about things. But I will say, um, I think what really sealed it for us and we took it more seriously is when we flew out to um, Portland Uh and we were with the Roloffs. And friends of ours. Yes, they were on the show. They were on the show. People love them. They're so... They're so great. They are great. They're better than you could imagine based on what you know on TV. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And you love them on TV, but then you're like, oh, y'all are like excellent people. Yes. Yeah. Just genuine, awesome people. And so when we were out there visiting them, they were talking about this thing that we had heard about. And so we started kind of getting more and more interested in it. Yeah. A year later, we were in Maui with them. And we couldn't figure out Matt's. Over the course of that year, we had spent so much time and we thought he was a five and he tested as a six. And he's a lot of people have said, if you test, sometimes you test the test. And yeah. so anyways, we had also at the time read the road back to you. Okay. Or no, no, no. We had read the path between us. Oh, got it. Yeah. And so we were trying to figure that out. And when the nine was described, we just started cracking up. We're like, this has to be you. And yeah. it, cre- it like includes all these elements we've been saying, and it has bits of everything. So anyways, that was kind of how we figured it out. Once we were in Maui, we were telling them, hey, we're thinking he might be a five or a nine or a six. And I feel like we sat on the back porch, and they basically like counseled us through uh-huh. this process. And we figured out he's probably definitely the nine with an eight wing. Oh, so. my gosh. With an eight wing, he'd mm-hmm. have to be to work. Okay. A lot of people know this because you're already friends with a lot of my friends, but I want you to tell the story of how you and Matt met. I don't think I know that. You don't know this? Okay. No, I well, read everything you say on the inst- on the Instagrams, <laughs> but I don't know how y'all met. Yes. Well, we met in college when okay. he was on the football team. Yeah. And I had some friends on the football team. It was actually because of the Instagrams, ah. um, which is funny. It was very early on in Instagram days yeah. when it was like weird. I had like tw- 200 followers and it yes. was weird when someone I didn't know followed me. Yes, right? yes, yes. And so I remember I had followed a couple of the guys after they won a big, huge game. They had beat Penn State. Where'd y'all go? Uh, Indiana. Indiana okay. University. So okay. Indiana University was more known for basketball than football, yeah. but I always loved football. Yeah. I just love tailgates. I love the football culture. Right. And so um, we, the my sophomore year, I think, I don't even remember. Yeah. They had won a game that was like, they had never beat Penn State in school uh-huh. history. So uh-huh. I had seen some of my friends from high school who were on the team posting about this win. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I started following along the journey because they were all sharing all this celebration. And I guess, I don't know when he followed me back, but at one point I started getting notifications that Matt Dooley 91 liked your photo. Yeah. And I was tutoring one of his teammates who was also a friend of mine. I'm like, <laughs> who's Matt Dooley 91? And he goes, oh, he's our long snapper. Yeah. Like as if I was supposed to know that. I said, have I met him? Maybe like at a football like function? Like have yeah. I met him? He's like, probably. So then I felt like, shoot, should I, should I know this? Like, yeah. And so anyways, we saw each other a lot of times on campus. Finally, I just kind of reached out. Uh, and I, this was, I think, before the days of Instagram DM. It was yeah. when Snapchat was all the rave. Yeah, yeah. And so I uh, sent him a Snapchat and I said, do we know each other or how do I know you? And then yeah, that yeah, led yeah. to this very brief conversation, realizing we had mutual friends and he lived across the street. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I lived across the street. From and we other. hadn't passed like because he was on the other side of the apartment complex on, uh-huh. in a house, but uh-huh. he was literally within walking distance. He's like, well, you know, I he basically in that short conversation, he decided to just walk over and come meet me. And I thought he was joking. I thought he's just, you know, trying to flirt or something. Yeah. I don't think he's really going to come. So I sat there. I just got home from the gym. I'm shoving my mouth full of chocolate chips. I yeah. like grab the chocolate chip. <laughs> like when you're a college student, I'm like, this is the When you're the a snack. person. Yeah, yeah that's right, great. Right. Yeah. So home from the gym, just, you know, balance. That's balance. right. That's right. Yeah. Moderation. So eating the chocolate chips straight out of the bag and knock on the door and all my roommates and I are looking at each other like, 
oh my gosh, he actually came. Like, what are we going to do? <laughs> so I opened the door and this, he's so tall. He's and so I'm, tall. On, I'm like one or two steps up and he's still like this huge man. And I'm yeah. like, uh, hello, you know? And so anyways, he comes in and we ended up talking for like four hours that night, sat on the couch. He always uh-huh. describes it like it was like catching up with an old friend, even though oh, we had never wow. met. We just were very much kindred spirits aligned in so many ways. And it was just kind of like from there, we just, I felt like we were friends yeah. from the get go. Like we just understood each other's hearts and very quickly after that started dating. Were y'all both believers in college? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I so, was still much earlier on in my journey. Yeah. I would say um, I was in a season where I was seeking the Lord more. I was, I was raised Catholic. And then I went to college and was like, eh, I don't want to do church anymore. And I would yeah. go every now and then. I was still considered like I would still kind of try to follow the rules in yep. that regard. Yep. Um, but by my sophomore year, I just kind of got to a place where I was like, I feel like I need God in my life more. Mm. But I didn't really know what that looked like. Yeah. Um, and so I was kind of re uh, exploring my faith again right around the time that he and I met. So I was desiring that. I was wanting to grow in it. Didn't really know how. And he was just a really great well of wisdom and just yeah. encouragement in that season. And so it was, I think, a great teammate for the Lord to bring alongside of me when I was already in a season of like, this is important. Mm-hmm. I need to be focused on this. Say the sentence you said earlier about you had to lose your faith to find it again. Did yeah. that happen again in your 20s? Yeah. Really? So I think we go through seasons, and I don't think we as believers talk about this a lot. I want. You, I know. I want you to go there. Where, where I think we think we see somebody who is open about their faith or has been really strong in their faith, and they think they're just like the faith energizer bunny. Yeah. And I'm definitely an energizer bunny, but I also burn out. And I think that can happen in business. I think that can happen in faith. I think that can happen in our health journeys. Like we can be every day on the treadmill for three weeks, and then something can happen. We can mm-hmm. twist our ankle. Like things happen. And so... You know, I think what I learned was I wasn't really, my faith wasn't very personal up until the point. It was a thing that I did as a ritual, mm. but it wasn't necessarily a relationship until about halfway through college. Okay. And so then that was when that really grew. It was something that I was just so passionate about when I realized how personal it could be and how much right. I could just know God personally. And so because of that, I was very open. I was very, you know, so passionate about helping my sorority sisters and just sharing things with them and, um, but in a very relational way. You I'm, should totally shout out to your sorority. What were you in? AOPI. AOPI. Yeah. AOPI is at Georgia. Yes. That's why I went to Georgia. Oh, was it? Oh my gosh, yep. they're such sweet girls. They're well the best. We had a, I had a great experience. I wasn't thinking yeah. about going Greek, and I'm surprised that I did, but I had an awesome experience with yeah. it. Um, so, you know, that really created this, uh, I guess, passion for just sharing because yeah. I saw how impactful it can be and how much it impacted me when women would open up and share with me the, their story and their testimony. And so I did that a lot. And then what started to happen is after I had started a small business my senior year, which we can totally talk about, but, um, you know, after I started that small business my senior year, and I also would create content around it. I started yeah. to learn how to use the internet. And yeah. I was like, oh, I could share things that I'm learning. So I opened up about it there a lot from a place of overflow. Yeah. And that went on for years. It actually really influenced and started to build a career around this small business in a way that really connected with people, right? And then I think I got to a point after several years where I was like, I feel like my faith is more my content than really my, it it almost became, when your faith becomes your content or a commodity, it kind of loses some sacredness in some ways. Come on, talk about that. So I struggled and I thought, Mm -hmm. am I doing this for for me and the Lord or am I doing this because people are asking me for it? Or am I reading this because I need a caption later? Or am I reading this because I like actually need to be reading it, right? And when I got to that place where I just couldn't differentiate anymore and it was all mm-hmm. kind of like one in the same, I thought, I think I need to get to a healthier place where my work and my business are my work and my business and they're informed by my faith and they're founded on my faith, yeah. but they are not my faith. Yes. And it was a very difficult separation to make and I kind of burned out and I had to kind of, I think, pull back a little bit and mm-hmm. almost allow myself. I remember literally saying to God, like, God, 
I'm kind of sick of, I, I don't think me listening to more worship music and doing more Bible studies and going to more things is what's helping me. I think I just need to like allow myself to be found by you again. Because I think we think we find God, but God finds us. We're the lost yes, ones, you know? come on. So that was kind of for me. I just was like, you know what, God. What did that look like when you did that? When you sat back and said, I, I know, I was like, I'm the worst Christian me. ever. <laughs> no, I no. think it's so good. It was, you know, it was, um, it was in the fall of, I don't even, it was about a year ago. Okay. And I basically was just in that place of like, you know what, I'm just going to take a few months to not check all the boxes. Mm. And I think I just need to see your faithfulness rather than trying to create it or find it or whatever. And there were so many things. I mean, in the same day, I had two people speak a prophetic word over me. I've never had that happen before. I wasn't even sure I believed in that before, you know? And two people basically said the exact same thing of like, hey, God just put in my heart to let you know that what you're doing isn't meant to feel confining. Um, and that there's new seasons coming and that buried dreams are being, are resurfacing. <gasps> and I had had a dream in 2017 about what I wanted to do with my career, but felt like there was no way to do that based yeah. on what I was doing. And so I thought, oh my gosh, I need to be paying attention to this. So that was like a huge affirmation that God does find you yes. and find, you know, and, and will speak to you when you stop trying to create what he's supposed to say yeah. and just listen. Girl. <laughs> okay. And so it took a few, I mean, I processed that a while. I spent several months just kind of like, what is this supposed to look like? And yeah. I still have to show up online and I still have to pay my bills and like, what am I doing? You know, yeah. but he was faithful. And every time, I mean, there would be a situation where we would pull a program because it was so exhausting for me or we had to, you know, simplify a part of our business. And I'm like, well, that doesn't feel good financially. And then we'd have a $4,000 bill or a $1,000 right. bill or this right. random expense that would come up. And literally the next day I would get an, like an offer or an opportunity right. that would cover exactly that amount. Yep. So it was like, God just continued to show me like, Hey, I'm here mm-hmm. and you don't have to work for me. You can just work because of me. Mm. And I've heard that said by, I think it was Mike Donahue back when I was in college actually, or yeah. maybe a little after college, but I heard that said, and I thought that's a nice thought. But then I really experienced what that's like over the last year of just simplifying and listening and taking time. And after about six or seven months of just working through that, I felt like I kind of regained my faith. But I had to allow myself not to manufacture my faith anymore. Right. And I think we can do that because our... That's so hard for a three, too. It's oh so my hard for gosh, a three Jordan. and for and for anyone. In a, I think we're in such a merit-based culture where it's like, yeah. I have to earn this, I have to show this, I have to prove... And my biggest fear, especially when I took that time, was like, oh my gosh, what is my online community going to think? They're going to think I'm mm. the worst Christian. I'm just dropping Jesus. I mean, I got a lot of messages like that. Like, it's really a shame you don't show Jesus anymore. Oh my gosh. And I was like, well, that's your assumption. You don't know. Yeah, yeah you just don't know. And you kind of just... But I think... I felt like God was like, hey, take some time to not explain yourself because we as humans want to explain, this is why I'm doing this. And this is why it looks like this. And don't make judgments and don't make People are going to assume things about you no matter what. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I could explain all day long and they're still going to have opinions. So maybe the best thing to do is focus on what God's doing in me yeah. rather than what I'm doing outwardly. And yes. so that's really, I think, created a, like a whole new renewal in me and a, and a really healthy balance between my work and my faith. So yeah. um, can we talk, you can totally say no at any point if you're like, no, we aren't going to talk about that. <laughs> But this is the lead-in that I'd like to say, because what you said just made me think of it. Uh, A couple of weeks ago on Instagram, you posted without makeup on Hmm. and showed your acne on Mm. your face and how it had like reared up. Always fun. Yeah. Can we talk about it for (laughs) a second? We can totally talk about it. I just think it. you didn't have to explain that to us and you chose to. Hmm. Why was that important to you? I thought it was so beautiful and so generous of you Hmm. in a world where it is very easy to look at other people and Mm -hmm. think they always look... Mm-hmm. Uh, like they should on the mm-hmm. front of a magazine, not like they should in real life. Cause that's not what I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. but you did such a beautiful job of saying like, this is still me, mm-hmm. but this is yeah. 
I ate sugar and I am stressed and you like listed yeah. out PMS exactly is real. how I got yes. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the reason I chose to share that was, and I, and I have a really um, interesting approach toward this whole thing because I also am a little bit weary of the culture that's like posting a makeupless photo is brave. I'm like, <laughs> right. you know, 50, 60, whatever years ago, like our grandfathers were jumping out of planes into people shooting at them. Hello. That's brave. That's right. So I'm like, let's not like, I mean, I think a lot of things can be brave. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's not brave, but I'm saying mm-hmm. if we're making that the standard of bravery in our like Instagram world, I just want to be careful with that. And that like says less about brave and more about how much we honor makeup. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I just always want to have a healthy perspective yeah, toward it. Good. It's not that it's not important. It's not that it's not courageous to be transparent that way. It's just, let's make sure we have a healthy approach towards this. So yeah. I don't make that my MO. I, yeah. I always say I never promise to be real. Yeah. Meaning if I'm real, it should just be obvious. <laughs> right, right, right. Like if I'm going to be genuine, I don't need to market myself as a person who's genuine. Right? That's right. That's and I right. think I see a lot of that on the internet. Yeah. So I'm always careful of that. But the reason I chose to share that photo is because I felt like it was very aligned with the message that I'm trying to get into this generation of, hey, when you are striving for something, I think we live, and a lot of women, I think, feel this pressure to, you know, crush the goals, do the thing, do the big thing. And I absolutely am here for it. I'm a three, you know, yeah. like let's, let's crush the goals. But I wanted to remind people that you're going to have setbacks. And this was an example of my own setback because in chapter three of my book, I told my acne, my cystic acne story Mm -hmm. and how it flared up randomly as an adult. I never had acne really as a kid or as a teenager. So I was like, why do I feel like I'm going through puberty round two here? Wow. And um, so that was, you know, something I had to kind of work through and I had to make these changes and change my diet and do these things to kind of try to get that under control. And I saw a lot of improvement and I had made a lot of strides. And so when I had this setback and all of a sudden my face flared up, I'm like, what the heck? I've been working right. so hard. I've done everything I can do to control. I just had had a back, you know, a week where I couldn't control it as much, or I wasn't as disciplined because I'm a human, not a machine. Right. Same as with faith, right? right. Like we're just humans, not machines. And, you know, I just wanted to remind the, the following who's always, you know, I have a lot of women who are saying like, how do you reach your goals and how have you achieved this much and things like mm-hmm. that. And I kind of just want to say like, hey, we all have setbacks. And if you are, don't let this setback hold you back because there's been times where my acne's flared up and I'm like, well, forget it. I'm just gonna eat all the cake then. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so I think whether there's someone's chasing, you know, a goal career wise or they're trying to get healthier or they're trying to change their diet for their skin or for fertility or whatever the reason is, there's going to be times where you have this, okay, this is a setback. Mm -hmm. And am I going to sit here in it and complain about it and just give up? Or am I going to, and let that hold me back? Or am I going to acknowledge that as a setback, acknowledge it exists and say, okay, how do I get back up from here? So it was really for that lesson, not so much of like, ooh, look at me, I'm real. And I think when we can approach things from the place of what value is this bringing to a very relevant issue and problem in someone's life, then it's worth it. So that was really the the heart and the reason for it. I have a friend that's a pastor in Indiana uh, named Jason and his church, they have these mantras that they say. And one of them is that we are fields, not factories. Mm -hmm. And I just think that is such a good reminder when we're wanting to improve any part of ourselves. Yeah, it, it, You do not just remove one part of the factory and mm-hmm. put in a new piece mm-hmm. and you're going to put out a different product because right. we are not factories. Right. So in your spiritual life, in your health life, in your business life even, mm-hmm. we need to allow ourselves to be fields yeah. that require tending and attention paid but not controlled. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and the having, I think it's that balance of like grace and grit, you know, mm. grace and goal chasing. I mean, that's, I always say like, um, and this is something I, w- I want to write on a lot more, but ambition can be the best thing and it can be like h- what helps you succeed. And I think it can also be a huge struggle, yeah. right? When we don't have any kind of boundaries on that ambition or on that goal, I always say put some boundaries on your goals because I have gotten to a place where I was like, I want to lose weight. I want to run a marathon. I want to do this. And I basically starved myself. Right. I wasn't eating. I wasn't nourishing myself. I was working out three times a day excessively. And I wrote about this in the book because I thought that was an example of a goal that became an obsession that didn't have any kind of boundaries on it. Mm. And I think no matter what we're working towards, we need to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to work out every day 
or I'm going to train for this marathon, but I'm going to make sure I have an accountability partner so I don't get obsessed with my calorie intake. I just have a balanced approach yeah. or whatever the thing is. And so yeah. that really taught me on no matter what goal I'm chasing, business-wise, career-wise, health-wise, or put otherwise, boundaries. put a little bit of boundary on it. That's have an so accountability. You know, it, We don't talk about that. Yeah. And then our goals become obsessions. Yes. And I think that's when they take over our lives and they begin to own us and take over us rather than us owning our goals. Yeah, which the Old Testament would probably call idolatry. Yes. Which is scary because yes. in Ezekiel people die for that. <laughs> Literally. We're on this side I'm of like, Jesus. So we're we're yes, saved by mercy and grace. Yes. But that yeah. is obsessions to me when the Lord really stands on me about I mean, this is so silly, but my Bible I've had for like 25 years. Mm. I just mailed it to Mississippi to get recovered. Mm. And I had like a real moment in the car of like, what if it gets lost? What if it did? And I was mm. like, have you seriously made an idol out of your Bible? <laughs> How do you do that? How do, but it, it was that feeling of yep. I am I will not be okay if my prized possession gets lost, mm. but I can feel that way about a podcast recording mm -hmm. or a book mm -hmm. or a relationship. I mean, yep. I can just line up anything yep. and make an idol yep. out of it and yep. make it an obsession. And I think in our culture, you know, and I think this is what I struggle with because I am so goal oriented and I really do want, I think there's a lot of women and a lot of people who do need help actually achieving the goals. Yes. And I think there's also the flip side. And I always say the opposite of perfectionism or the opposite of discipline isn't carelessness or is carelessness, but that's not the balance. Mm. I think what we tend to do is we go, oh, I can't be perfect, whatever, I'll embrace my mess. And not right. in like a cute way, in a way that we think is funny, but in a way that I'm like, is that actually helping you? Right. Like, is that actually moving the needle in your life, sis? Or are you kind of just saying that because you're almost insecure about not being able to be disciplined mm. in this area? And the only reason I can say that is because I've been that person. Yeah. So what's the balance then for carelessness and discipline? If, it's, well, if those think, don't balance each other, what Well, balances? I think discipline, I think I didn't say that quite right. I think the diff the balance between perfectionism and carelessness. Um, yeah, carelessness okay. really is a balanced discipline with some boundaries. Got it. Now you know I what I mean? It. Yes, yes, yes. So I think when we're chasing goals, it's like, okay, we might have that setback or it might take three months longer than we anticipated. That doesn't mean we just get to throw in the towel on it yes. because then that would be that wouldn't be stewardship, mm -hmm. right? So we have to be careful not to make the goal idolatry, yep. but we also don't want it to become something that we're not stewarding well. Yeah, and we're and we just say, Because both of those sloth and idolatry are both problems. Yes. So how do we live <laughs> in the middle of those things, right? Right. Like how do we chase something ambitiously and intentionally and with faithfulness yeah. and, and, you know, grit? Yeah. And a little like, you got to have some hustle. There's seasons yeah. to hustle. But how do you also balance that with heart and focus and purpose and why? So who in the Bible reminds you of you? I've been told, um, I think it was Esther. Yeah. And my mentor actually said this to me because she goes, you are the kind of person that you know, I, I like I was sharing with you, I said, I struggle with exactly what lane I belong in. She goes, remember, yeah. Jay, you're the person who's always like, you don't live in a box. I always yeah. tell everybody else that. So I've had to kind of learn that. Yeah. She goes, what I love about Esther is Esther was obedient to God. She was a, just a powerhouse in choosing to do the courageous thing. Yeah. Um, and she described it to me this way. She goes, she wasn't out there, you know, preaching to the people, but she was doing her God-given assignment. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's really the voice you have. And saved everybody which I right. don't know if that's going to be me. I don't but, think that's going to be me. Come on. But I relate with the way that she approached. And I really, you know, I really relate to that. And I need to read the story of Esther again. But when my mentor said that to me a couple of weeks ago, I thought, that's really interesting. She goes, yeah. she didn't, you know, she, she didn't necessarily have the, the the way in which she operated was, I think, in a way a way that I relate to. Yeah. Um, and choosing to just take big steps and go for it, even when it's scary. Yeah. I relate to that a lot. Yeah. Um, I also just love the Proverbs 31 woman. I wouldn't say I remind myself, she reminds me of myself because I have a lot of work to do. All of them, I, I have a lot of work to do. But I, I love it because I think this is such a healthy, balanced approach, especially for women of faith. Yeah. Um, between this mentality of like, oh, I need to like, you know, I need to give up my dreams and be broke. I think it's one like kind of toxic lie we can tend to believe. Yeah. Or 
we can totally abandon that and go to the other extreme of like, no, I just need to hustle and grind and achieve every goal. And right. there's no, I'm like, look at the Proverbs 31 woman. She was profitable. She did not feel bad or apologize for making money. And we yep. shouldn't either. Yep. Um, but on the flip side, she also took care of the things and made sure her family was a priority and doing those things that I think sometimes we can forget about when we're hustling after our goals. Yeah. So anyways, I, that's like my, that's like my beacon of. <laughs> Is it? That's what you put up. Is totally. Proverbs 31. I'm going after I'm like, all that. Yeah. So there, like, when I think about our friends who are listening, there are some career women Mm -hmm. who are super driven and Mm -hmm. have figured out their thing. There are some women who stay home and have a side job Mm -hmm. out of their home. Mm -hmm. And there are some women who their home is their Mm full-time. And there are some dudes who are working in kind of the same, I think there's Mm -hmm. probably some stay-at-home dads that listen, whatever. But sometimes I struggle with the hustle idea Mm -hmm. and being good at, being an Annie. Mm-hmm. How did you figure out how much hustle was right for you? And how do we figure out how much hustle, hustle is right for us? You know, I think part of it is we all have different capacities, meaning we all have it's because we're in different seasons. And I think this is one thing that I really wanted to speak into a lot where it's seasonal yeah. in many ways, because I don't think anyone can, like I said, no one can hustle 24 seven. Mm-hmm. I'm tempted to as a three. I try to, and then I yeah. burn out. And then my husband's like, you need to chill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, He's like, I'm a nine. Come sit over here. Yes. We'll do nothing. Yes. Make no decision. And I'm like, what are you thinking about? <laughs> nothing. And he actually is thinking about nothing. And I'm I like, know. how we have 15 goals we're trying to achieve here. <laughs> so he balances me. We'll call that balance. Mm-hmm. But Anyways, one thing that I've learned is, and what I'm trying to be better about is knowing this is a season to hustle. Yeah. And this is a season to pause or to, to, I mean, right now, Matt and I were just telling you off air that we're freeing up mental bandwidth Yeah, because there's going to be a next season where we want to build and hustle and we're starting to step into that. But it took a lot of time of this needs to go Mm -hmm. and this needs to go because you can't hustle and maintain 15 million things. Yes. And I think when I got to the point of, I I can't add something else, but I know it's time for something Mm -hmm. else. That means I always say, and the best way I can always describe it is when I know it's time for growth or something new, I always ask myself, what do I need to let go and what needs to grow? Uh, and just what do asking I need to let that go and what needs to grow and or what do I want to grow and therefore what do I need to let go yes because that you can only you only have so much space in your tank yes and so I think not only filling up your tank consistently but also just understanding like am I trying to overflow this and if so what's time to like what feels like a sore toe to me and not propelling me forward what's yes. not moving the needle yes maybe it's time to retire that or pass that off or delegate mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. so I think that allows you to still hustle yep uh, in air quotes but Hustle in such a way that you're not hustling after everything and managing everything that you've already hustled after. Yes. Does that make sense? Remind, I mean, it's the boundaries thing again. Yeah. Of what is your actual capacity? Mm -hmm. And someone else being able to, watching someone else online hustle more or less than you has nothing to do with you. Right. You don't get to be proud if you look like you're out hustling and you don't need to worry if you're under hustling compared to him or her. Right. I just think it is a, um, but it's hard to figure out because we see. Yeah other authors mm-hmm. putting out twice as many books. Oh my gosh, I know. I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> right. How do you already have more words? Yeah. I'm out of words. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And and so it's hard to know the balance of that and how to let go of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About a year ago, I was on a plane and I made a list and the very top said, if money didn't matter, hmm. what would I do? What would I keep doing? Mm-hmm. What would I do more of? And what would I let go? Hmm. And then I had to pass that list off to my people on my team, my Mm -hmm. management, my agent, my assistant, and go like, hey, this is how I really feel if I wasn't trying to make sure we all got paid. Mm -hmm. And we had to make adjustments based off of that or I was going to burn out. It's good. I just knew it. I need to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Which I kind of did, but I didn't set it up that exact same way. But I like that that's a really good question to ask Mm -hmm. because the way I kind of did it was what feels like a sore toe? 
Yeah, I love that. What's not what allowing me to? <laughs> What's you know, keeping me from running and distracting me all the time? What is worse than a sore toe? Uh-huh. Maybe a toothache. Right. But I mean. <laughs> no, you're right. A sore toe. Because it makes you limp all the time mm-hmm. and no one knows. Yeah. yeah. So I think I felt like I was limping forward and that's not a way. You can't actually healthily hustle that way. Yeah. And I love the definition. I, I don't know if this is the actual definition, but I saw this on the Instagram somewhere. There you go. So which is always it. a good place to find yeah. somebody. Yeah. <laughs> it's like just facts all day long. Right. But um, no, I, found, I saw uh, someone post about this term holy hustle. Uh-huh. And I was like, what the heck does that even mean? Is that even yeah. a thing? Is that even allowed? But basically the idea was resting or working without guilt and resting without shame. Mm. And knowing like, or maybe it's the other way around. Yeah, working without shame and resting without guilt. And the idea of like- Working without shame, resting without guilt. Knowing that you can work hard and that you yeah. can hustle and that you can chase things without feeling ashamed or like you're somehow not being a good Christian or person or whatever. Like right. you're, you are, especially if they're meaningful to you and they're moving the needle and things that are impacting people. Yeah. But on the flip side, pairing that with an equal amount of, and I'm going to rest without feeling guilty that I'm not being productive. And I think sometimes as ambitious people or as just somebody who's passionate about something, whether that's impacting other people's lives or making money for your family or all of the above or yeah. for your team, um, it can be tough to find that balance. And mm-hmm. so just trying to ask myself, am I resting without guilt or am I thinking about what I need to be doing? You know, just like that's just a really good like little check in for me. You guys just interrupting this conversation with Jordan Dooley to tell you about a new sponsor. I feel very famous today, like a Kardashian, because as we speak, I'm opening my first FabFitFun box. You guys, they have some of the most fun. I mean, fab, fit and fun. Those are three things that we love. And y'all have seen all of our friends opening these. You know how it goes. Man, I am so excited about what is coming in this one. Okay, so my question is, what is your fab? Because to me, my fab is taking care of my skin. And what is your fit? We all know I love playing soccer, so that's my fit. And what is my fun? Well, everything. (laughs) Everything is fun to me. I cannot tell you how excited I am. I keep watching all my friends open these FabFitFun boxes, and this is my first one. (gasps) Oh, Oh, you guys, I'm so into all of this. A makeup eraser with just water. Oh, and I actually, and I also got from Dry Bar. They have a, it's called Prep Rally, and it's to detangle your hair when you're trying to dry it, which is incredibly helpful for me. You know that the seasonal boxes come with like eight to ten full size beauty, fitness, home, and wellness products from some of our favorite brands, and it's all just forty nine ninety nine. That is it, just forty nine ninety nine. I love that these are delivered straight to your door. You don't have to search for your search for things. Oh, y'all. This one also has Ahava Dead Sea bath salts, and I love that. I bought my someone else in Israel one time. Oh, this is just going to be great. Oh, a Bluetooth shower speaker. Excellent. That's excellent. That's going to be fun. Let's see. I'm still going through here. Oh, listen. I just told y'all my fab is taking care of my skin. And they have face and eye mask set in here, which I am about. Oh, and a new beanie and gloves. I love fingerless gloves. You guys, we all need these FabFitFun boxes. What is going on? This is so cool. Remember, FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. I am very happy with what came in mind today. The box retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. I can tell you that for sure because I got a speaker for my shower. Huh, this is so exciting. Use the coupon code SOUNDSFUN and you'll get an additional $10 off your first box at fabfitfun.com. Again, use the code SOUNDSFUN when you're checking out. You get $10 off your first box at fabfitfun.com. And now back to the show.
how have you, because you and Matt both work mm-hmm. under you for your company? What do you, how do you phrase it? Yeah. So we're going to probably rename our company right now. It's just Jordan Lee Media. But okay, yeah, yeah. It's just, I was like, we need to have both of us in there somehow. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. A team, but yeah. So as you're both working for Jordan Lee Media, mm-hmm. wh- but you're also married. Mm-hmm. So you share a house mm-hmm. and a bed mm-hmm. and a kitchen and an <laughs> office. Um, and, for, and a dog. <laughs> and, and a dog. Yeah. And the bathroom yeah. and all the things. And it, yep. How have y'all brought in rest and Sabbath and making, how do you do that? How do you sit and not accidentally talk about work? It is tough. And he, I'm so glad God gave me him as a partner because if I had another three or an eight or a seven, we would, we would all die. Yep. (laughs) We would just bury ourselves at work. Um, he's really good about being like, we're going to close the laptop now and we're going to go for a bike ride. Okay. And sometimes, you know, we, and this is the challenge in our marriage because sometimes I have to be kind of the like, Hey, we're going to work now. Yeah. We're going to get focused now. Yeah. And he's kind of like, Hey, we're going to rest now and be humans now and have friends now, you know? Mm. So we really balance each other in that way, but we can also really bother each other in that way because sometimes I perceive that as laziness. And sometimes he perceives what I'm doing as workaholism, which definitely can be true. Yeah. So I think we are really good compliments in that way, but we had to create a couple of rules like, okay, no business in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And there'll be times where I'll like roll over and be like, hey, I just had this idea. And it's like 11 o'clock. He goes, cool, write it down. <laughs> you know, or, or he'll try to kind of say like, unless I'm like, I know this, sometimes we'll break the rule if I say, because it's time sensitive. Like we need to know this by tomorrow. Yeah. If we're trying to make a big decision. Right. But overall, we try to no avoid business no business in the bedroom. That's smart. And Do we you have all, a TV in your room? Mm-mm. Okay. No, no, no device. No, like we just really try to make that a sacred space in our home. Y'all don't have your phones in there either. We try not to keep our phones in there. I yeah. mean, every now and then I'll walk in and like grab something, but we try not to keep our phones by our bed. You know, we put them out in the little yeah. like hallway we have. So just that simple boundary, I think keeps a sacred space that is for marriage only. That's really um, good. And I think also we're really great friends. Yeah. And we've been told like by our friends, like you guys have a great camaraderie. Like we are just goofy together. He throws me over his shoulder. Like we also try to make sure we have space for fun and adventure. And so yeah. We always try to work in like, what's awesome for us? Hey, let's go for a hike after we do this business meeting. Or, hey, we're going to Nashville for a business trip. We have three meetings. Let's find our favorite coffee shop and just like go do stuff. Yeah. Um, But it's really fun. And the reason I love what we're doing is, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, well, how do you know when to put your marriage hat on or your business hat on? And what I've really learned is like a partnership is, you know, there's a lot of business involved, but it doesn't feel like it's like, oh, we're talking about business again. Mm -hmm. It actually feels like we're working toward a common goal. Right. Like we're creating a future for our kids and our house and our family. And so it's fun to talk about most of the time. Um, and there's times you burn out and so you just have to create a few of those boundaries. But, you know, it's like, otherwise, what else would we talk about? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think like, how was your day? How was yours? Right. <laughs> and we live in separate worlds, you know? So I'm like, right. this is really a blessing to get to do together. So whether it lasts for two years or two, 20 years, you know, it's just, this is awesome because we have common vision and our marriage counselors really encouraged us. You need to dream together because originally when we got married, we were chasing his big dream. Which was NFL. NFL. He was in the NFL for a while. And so the year after we got married, you know, he got cut two weeks before our wedding. And that wasn't stressful. It was fine. I didn't have a mental breakdown. <laughs> yeah, no, it's no. fine. So easy. Great. So easy. <laughs> I was like, how are we going to eat? Um, but that whole next year was Who really cut him? What team? Uh, Steelers. Yeah, we hate him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Nobody wear the Steelers jerseys. But, yeah, no, um, we're, up, we're off them. Yeah. So long story short, when, after he got cut and after we got married, you know, it was a year of, I said, you need to continue pursuing that dream. And we pretty much just chose to make that the priority. Yeah. And so he trained and he helped me. I ran a photography business. He would second shoot with me. We had one business together just doing that. He helped me as I was doing blogging stuff and trying to fill it, figure out the online space and all that I was doing there. And then I was also speaking a little bit. So I was kind of in a hustle season, which actually ended up when he chose to hang up his cleats, 
it was like, okay, I'm going to go back and get it. He really wanted a stable job. So he worked yeah. a stable job for almost two years until it got to a point where because I was hustling to support his dream, my own dream was kind of birthed. Mm. And that's where the book thing came out of. And that's oh, where these other things okay. came out of. So it was cool to see how like when you love someone, their dreams become your dreams. Yeah. And our marriage counselors, we were both chasing all these different dreams. And we were sitting down last year and they said, have y'all ever sat down and dreamed together? Have you ever sat down and written out, this is how we want, you know, our kids to look like, or this is yeah. not how they want them. Basically, like, <laughs> this is the science of how we're going to. <laughs> this is the, we want blue eyes. Look, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that didn't come out right. But, you know, we want, this is what we want our family to look like. Yes. If we were, if we could just pick any dream, this is what we'd love our salary every year to look like. This is the, why we want this salary. This is yeah. the type of mission we want our family to be on. This is the way we want to impact people. This is the gifts we have, yeah. the gifts we see in each other, all these things. And we really wrote it all out into the nth detail. We were like shameless. We want concrete goals. We want financial goals. We want this. Um, and just so that we knew had an aim. It was general. It wasn't like this is the specific path, but this uh -huh. is our target. Now we need to figure out how we're going to hit the bullseye together. And that really led to the decision of we're going to work together and we're going to take the risk. And you're going to, you know, he wanted to leave his job because I was going on book tour. He wanted to do it with me. And we didn't want to leave each other out of experiences. And that became a priority for us. And yeah. so even though it can be tough to find those boundaries now, we're like, but we get to experience this. Yeah. So, so how... I this makes me want to nab him and ask him this question, <laughs> but and I might do it before we're done. But as a single woman mm -hmm. who is doing a job like your job, mm -hmm. something that sounds incredibly fun to me mm -hmm. is a husband that we we double down on this mm -hmm. and go hard mm -hmm. and just like keep on. Mm -hmm. But also, I don't want a guy who just goes who just signs on because I'm Annie F. Downs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so how do y'all balance the like? submission stuff yes. and the head of the household stuff <laughs> and the him still feeling like yeah. a really good man mm -hmm. and it is under yeah. your yeah jordan lee incorporated yeah does well, that make sense totally that sense? oh my gosh i get this i i think about this a lot and it's and it's a challenge i will say that i think part of it is and this is why i think you know, I always say, I think there's seasons for things because mm -hmm. in the beginning, all of our dating relationship and our whole first year of marriage was spent chasing the NFL. Yeah. So it was for Matt and the jersey and the name and the, you know, and I think that was also a kind of a weird transition where it was like, wait, weird. I was the one with the jersey, you know, or he was right. the one with the jersey. And now suddenly it's like, that's gone. Yeah. And now I'm speaking and publishing books. But here's what I realized. And I think this is the challenge is if I can keep the mentality of I might have written the book and it might be my face on the cover. Or my first name on the cover, but it's our last name on the cover. Yeah. So anything that I create is really ours. And I even think about it when I first started, it was because of him. He's yeah. like, hey, you should start an Etsy store. You're good at like hand lettering. So he's the one that even planted the even idea. Even the, the one you started when you were in college? Yeah. Oh, when we were, we were just gosh. dating, barely dating. He didn't know that I was like, I don't really have hobbies. I turn everything into a business. So <laughs> <laughs> he thought it would be like this cute thing for three months and yeah, I'd be yeah, done yeah. with it. No, flash forward like six years or whatever. Right. But you know, it's it just, it's one of those things where, I think what I've had to try to remember is like, this is ours, but it can be tough. Like you said, it's like when you are kind of leading something, yeah. you are leading a business or you're leading a brand or you're leading a community, yet there's this whole submission piece. And how do I make sure you're the lead? And that was a big, actually a big reason why we chose to work together yeah. because I thought, I feel like I'm growing this thing and you're kind of over there. Not he didn't feel like he like was contributing what he wanted to be contributing. Uh -huh. Didn't feel like it was seeing any forward momentum, and so his big thing was I thought, what if I actually give you like a full partnership or leadership role in this, and in a way that's most aligned with what your gifts and abilities are. Mm. And I think it's not so much a you're above and I'm below, or you're more famous or I'm not, or whatever the things are that I think we can have. Or you're making more money and money, I'm not. Yeah. I think it's actually like what's your lane? 
because once we really identified like this is your lane to run in and this is my lane to run in and I have to submit to you within that and you also have to be willing and he's willing to learn from me and the things yeah. he doesn't know yeah and so I think it's really like a humility on both sides and it's not easy there's so many times I fi- like we always say we fire each other every four days like it's just <laughs> it's like we're done we're done we can't do this you know <laughs> it's just it's not easy yeah but I've also had to learn you know what Jay no just because you start, started something doesn't mean that it's only yours this is actually something that is ours and it's a lot of the reason is because if you really think about it you probably wouldn't have started this to begin with if it weren't for the lord yeah if it weren't for just you know you're not like above and so it's just it's a gut check a lot of the time and it can be hard because it's that i've had people ask me well how does it how does your husband feel working for you Mm -hmm. like he doesn't work for me Uh we're working together toward a common vision that we establish for our household whatever means in which we achieve that is your lane is yeah. What, so I think of it yeah, as lanes versus that's like interesting, like tears. Yeah, if that makes Ooh, sense. Oh, that's a great way to put it. Lanes versus tears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone I date, we I get. I think it's part of dating people is going. Is this going to work long term? Can I mm-hmm. plug into what you're doing? Can mm-hmm. you plug into what I'm doing? But yeah. I'm always like, how would we work together every day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, you're very driven. That would be cool. Yeah. You're very chill. That would be helpful. Yeah. yeah like I'm always like, yep. can you fit in our office? <laughs> <laughs> What's your, where do you fit the puzzle piece? You know yeah. what I say, always say? I, I always have to start thinking of him as the chip to my Joe mm. in a digital sense in that. And you're probably a lot like this too, where I have kind of the vision and I'm the creator and I'm the conversationalist and I'm the uh-huh. connector, but I'm like, I don't know how to set up podcast equipment. Right. Like, or I don't know how to make that sound work because it's broken. Yes. Or I don't know how to make this content actually a piece of thing. Like I could do it and I know how to use Canva, but like, right. can you make sure we get it? Like he's kind of the executed, the builder, just like yeah. Chip builds the building. Yeah. Joanna sketches the building. Oh, that's brilliant. So we kind of have started to function in that way and finding that lane. So yeah. I would almost think like, who can be my builder? Yeah. In some ways, who you know, so that yeah. you can actually operate in your genius zone and think, I can be the friend, I can create the content, I can have the fun and build a connection. Mm-hmm. I can bring the people in, you know, yeah. I can love everybody well, but we also have to have infrastructure. And yes. you probably have a lot of that already. But one thing I found is it's really hard to find a partner who is 100% as equally invested in, in your success in a business if yep. they're not actually making meaning it's not actually directly impacting their life. Yeah. And so that's why I was like, well, if it's a man or if it's a spouse, I think that's the best way to think about it is could you beat the chip to my Joe? Yeah. That's, <laughs> of that's course, it. always referencing a magnolia example. That's right. But, I you know. agree with that. Well, y'all have chickens. Yeah. You're like bound to be their people. <laughs> like, you like have to all be friends. Right. It's bound to be. Anyways. Yeah. I think it's so funny because you have to, I didn't know that I would be picking someone after this career existed. Mm. Yeah. You know, that's not what we and were told would be growing up me right? after this career existed, yeah. which is so mm. it's very good. And I may end up going like it, I've also dated people who had my same job. Mm-hmm. And so then you go, okay, well, we're two kites flying, which yes. is fine. Yeah. But is there someone holding both of us down? And that's fine mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it'll end up being, but I yeah. really enjoyed the partnerships of people that mm-hmm. I see of going like, man, that'd be so fun. Well, and the way you sometimes have to think of it too. And again, you might be the, the builder yeah. and you might need a joke, right? Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. just knowing your role. But one thing that we were told by our marriage counselors when we were trying to figure out what are we doing here, they basically said to us right now, they, they actually had us look at each other and say, Matt, what's Jordan's biggest dream? Mm. And Jordan, what's Matt's biggest dream? And I knew that he loved to mentor men and wanted to coach. I mean, he's just a natural coach. Yeah. Um, not in the way we think about coaching, but really like sports coaching. Yeah. And that's just, if he, if money didn't matter, that would be his dream. Yeah. And on the flip side, he looked at me, he's like, well, New York Times bestseller, like yeah. all these big things. And they go, okay, these are very, very different dreams. So right now it's almost like we were like running in opposite directions, mm. yet wanting to support each other and attached by a rope. Yeah. Right? Like there's this connection there. There's this bond there but and this commitment there, but we were going like, 
I want to chase the stream. And I, so how are we aligning these things to actually yeah. make them both work? So that's kind of an interesting visual to think about. Yeah. And it was very helpful in kind of starting to think through how do we, uh, I guess, accommodate both of our giftings and our dreams Yes, in a way that's like kind of yin and yang. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, okay. You said New York times bestseller. Let's talk about your book, Oh girl. but let's first talk about how you and I are in the same club of mm. everyone said the book was going to hit and then it didn't. Mm. Yeah. And <laughs> your book is a bestseller. It's Thank in English it and is. in Spanish. <laughs> and it's called Own Your Every Day. Mm-hmm. It's very good. I'm Thanks excited. Me. I mean, I think a ton of people have already read it, but I hope that some of our friends who haven't read it yet will grab it. But so I want to talk about the book for a second in just a second. But yeah. I want you to talk to me about the day you found out you didn't hit the list. Okay. Well, let's just paint the picture here. Yeah. Because this was a real thing. I always was very, I was very hesitant to even say that that was a goal because yeah. I also know how that can be a very, fickle thing it's very tough there's a lot of surrounding that it's not just it, it's it's just it is what it is it is so not who sold the most books right this week it's not black yeah, and white like no. that and uh but yet it's still some for some reason like the pinnacle yes right I don't know why it just is and it so, is to me too still yeah, yeah I wish I could pretend like I, I didn't care yes care I think so it's much. I think it's every author's pinnacle yeah, in yeah. some ways it's like kind of that feather in the cap thing yes so anyways I was like it's my first book let's not be unrealistic but I'm also an achiever and so about two weeks before a week before the book launch I kind of whispered him out I was like I do think I have this secret dream that I would hope it would hit and I had had a lot of people say like this is gonna hit this is gonna be a bestseller this is gonna do this so then but I still wanted to be realistic then when I got towards the end of launch week or release week and it had done so well yeah and we started getting the word that we were hitting lists I was like Oh my gosh. And I was at the very end of my book tour. Yeah. Also, it was that time of the month. Yeah. So I had the emotional capacity of a flea. Yep. Okay. Just to like, <laughs> just to like kind of put that out there. It was the end of a nine, 10 day tour, stopping every day, signing 300 books every single day, oh. talking to 300 people every day. And I had also kind of, it was basically like, I don't want to get my hopes up. Oh my gosh, my hopes are getting up. Oh my gosh, this could actually happen. Oh my gosh, we have a chance. And so I kind of was at that peak where I'm like, uh-huh. oh my gosh, this could really be a thing. And, um, and then when I got the news, it was like an hour before my very last signing. Oh, no, 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 not even an hour, like 30 minutes yeah, before. Yeah, because it's at the end of the workday. Yeah. Yep. And um, Oh, that's awful. And I got the text that basically said, didn't hit. And But I also but it was like, but you did hit USA Today, and you yeah. did hit Washington Post. And yep. I was like, but none of that seems exciting right now. Right. Because like, everybody was po- like guiding towards that. Yeah. So it was 30 minutes before I have to go out on and speak to all these women. Yeah. And I'm like, get it together, Jay. Like, get it together. Mm. And so I get out there, and I'm trying to like give my little spiel. And I just started tearing up. And I was like, I'm sorry, guys. I'm on my period. Nah. <laughs> I'm like, sorry if that's TMI. I don't know if guys listen to this. I'm sure you it's have fine. wives. It's fine. It's a grown-up thing. Yes. Anyways. Um, Every man listening knows a woman. Yes. So we're fine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. But anyways, it was one of those things where I just like, it was one of those things where it actually became a great teaching point, though. Because mm-hmm. I basically said, I need to go back and reread chapter five of my own book which is about disappointments because I told the story of Matt's NFL journey thinking that didn't go the way we wanted, even though in many ways it created all these other dreams we wouldn't have otherwise found. Right. Right. So it really wasn't a disappointment in the moment it was, but it was exactly where we needed to go. Right. And so I had to kind of like be like, I'm back in that moment when the call didn't come Mm. or when we got cut. Mm -hmm. Right. Even though there's still this huge success around it and there's so much and so many opportunities that have come from it because it wasn't quite the vision or the secret dream. And I think you kind of feel foolish for speaking out something. I was yeah. like, why did I even admit to that? Why even did I even thing? tell? I yes. know. So, and I think that's one of our things. And so, especially as someone who's ambitious, and it, but I think that's just human nature too. Yeah. And so I, I think it ended up being a great thing where I'm like crying in front of 300 people. It's fine. They're all like, what is wrong with you? Like, yeah. this is, but I basically said, you know, I bet there's things in your life that you thought would you would hit the sun and you landed in the stars or, you know, maybe you thought you, you just barely fell short of goal. And I think that's actually sometimes the harder thing when mm-hmm. you're like, I was 99%. 
-hmm. right? Like I just barely missed the big goal. And so, and all this work is like, is it worth doing again? And should I keep going for that goal or should I redirect my energy? You know, it's just like, it kind of makes you think. And, um, it, it basically challenged me to learn the, my own lesson that I wrote in that book and released in that book. Right. <laughs> and told everybody, I'm like, I hear you, God. Right, right, okay. Right. Um, you know, and it was just, it was more of a stinger in the moment. I think um, after the next, you know, the, by the next day, I was like, this is still great. But yeah. it definitely is one of those things where you feel like you just barely fell short of something yes. that would have been great to say. Yes. You know, yes. I think that also is an, an ego thing as, as a person. Right. Totally. It, is. it spun me out pretty hard the first time I didn't hit when we thought. I was going to hit it. Mm. I wrote about it and um, remember God. But I mean, I like had champagne from, mm. s- from Stromsburg and Napa in mm. the freezer, in the fridge, ready to go. I mm. mean, like w- everyone said mm. we had done everything mm. and it just, it was really hard. So yeah. when, when I, and you, you feel wrote foolish it, for even being sad about it yeah. in some ways, cause you're like, I'm even just blessed to be doing this. Yes. But it actually, it's weird that it bothers me as much as it does. Yes, exactly. And then you're like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That, that's what spins out. Yes. Is it's like, well, what's wrong? Why do I even care? But I care. But yeah. why do I care? Yes. Who cares? Yeah. I shouldn't care. Nobody else. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, when you were writing about it a few days ago on Instagram, I was like, my girl, we speak <laughs> the same language of like, yeah, we hit a bunch of li- uh, people are so generous to buy the books and to read them. Yes. And, but and that's not is. even what it's about, you know? And I yes. think that's what, I think that's what actually bothered me the most is it bummed me out. And then I almost got angry at myself for letting it bum me out because I'm like, this is literally the opposite of my message of like, it's not mm. about the specific outcome. It's about the impact. Yes. So LOL, learn your own lesson. <laughs> it was like, I had to be sassy with myself and like, yes. and I felt like I was mad at myself for even being in any way disappointed because uh-huh. of how much good still was happening. Yes. And I think that's almost an unhealthy thing too. It's like, I think I got to a point where I was like, I have to acknowledge that this bothers me. Yes. And just deal with that. Even yep. if that's unhealthy so that I can then live the message I'm talking about you know you it's it's and this is a big thing I think you could probably speak into this but as an author and as a writer and as a leader and as a speaker I think we can learn lessons and I think we can share them and put them out there into the world and for women and for men and for people um and sometimes we have to relearn that lesson like it's not like okay check done I never struggle with that again and I think sometimes that's their perception and then we Mm -hmm. feel like wait I I thought I learned that lesson I wrote about it two years ago Yep. But we relearn it in a different context yes. or a different way. And so we, it's actually kind of cool how sometimes we have to draw back upon the own, our own writings or the things that we've learned or written in our journals or written in books yeah. and relearn them in a new way. Yeah. So that was kind of the experience there. But. I mean, when you look back on the last 10 years of your life, eight mm-hmm. years of your life, you have created so many things. Mm-hmm. And just the, the most recent is Own Your Every Day. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as people getting it yeah. and being able to yep. hold it. But I mean, like sweatshirt company, mm-hmm. Etsy company, you, I mean, you <laughs> photography, courses, photography, all yeah. of it. What made a book the right next thing? Hmm. I think a book uh, really brought a lot of things that seemed random and a lot of skills that I picked up from learning how to market a, a service, uh-huh. learning how to market a product, learning how to create a community around a product. But that's not what you studied in college, right? No. I no. studied health administration. Right. Never right. worked a day in a hospital in my whole life. <laughs> So your love for marketing and your ability to market is just like in you. I think it's just, yeah, I think it's just because it's creative, but it's also strategic and it brings those two things together. Yeah. So I think the reason I, the book made a lot of sense is because I also loved giving advice. I love giving advice. And so I was like, how can I bring these things together? And I think a book really tied up a lot of what felt like loose ends. I was like, how did we go from Etsy store to photography business, to speaking, to uh, all, I mean, there was like 10 things in a matter of six years or whatever. And it felt like these were all random things. But then when the book kind of came about, I realized all of these things that I've done have given me skills 
and have actually prepared me and given me a story for this specific book because I think actually so many more people are on very nonlinear paths and feel like yes. what they're doing was random or is random. Yep. When I then basically saw, oh my gosh, this all came together into a common to a point and yeah. it came into a message and it created a movement. And so I think that's where the, really where the books kind of came from and yeah. why it was so key and why it was the thing, because it kind of told the story, it wrapped it all up and then it gave me a launch pad to go into the next thing yeah. in a very streamlined way rather than kind of sporadically. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to like this part, but I'm going to ask you to brag on yourself and <laughs> tell me what's been the most fun about people reading it and mm-hmm. uh, making changes and how you, how they've reflected that to you. Yeah. You know, I think it's, I had a woman come up to me. This was one of them. I've had several of these, you know, you've had this, I'm sure writing, but I had somebody come up to me and say, my husband said, thank you. And I was like, interesting. Yeah. Never had that one before. Why is that? And she basically said, because he's seen me kind of come out of my shell and actually embrace my gifts. And I'm actually about to launch my, my bakery that I've been dreaming of for a long time. And seeing women and people in general, but take actual active roles in their own lives mm. and and say, you know what, God, we're going to do this together. And I think what I found is a lot of us can get stuck thinking like, what's the plan? Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do? And I'm like, sometimes you learn by doing because that's my story. Uh, I wasn't starting an Etsy store thinking I'm going to be a millionaire off Etsy. Right. Or I'm going to build this business or write a book or anything. It You're was literally a billionaire just, off Etsy. No. Congratulations. No, I'm not. <laughs> no. That is impressive. Definitely <laughs> not a billionaire or a millionaire or even thousandaire. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I think I never really set out with this like, oh, okay, I'm going to create this massive thing. This yeah. is exactly the path and this is what I'm supposed to do. It was more like, I don't really know the path and I'm not really thrilled about what I've studied and what I have a degree in. So I'm just going to try some stuff. Mm. And I think we don't give ourselves enough freedom to just try stuff. Like you don't learn what you're good at or what you like until you try, until you do stuff, till you fail, till you start something and then you close it and then you start something else and you close it and then you get a job and then you're like, okay, I'm going to step into this position or industry now. And I don't think we give ourselves the the, the freedom to explore and experiment before we have a perfect plan. And so hearing how many women that have come out to book signings basically say like, I'm going for it. I'm yes. doing it. Or I did do it and this actually worked or it didn't work, but it taught me this and now I opened this door. Yep. Like that's how it works. But we all like sit here like, oh, I just need, I need confirmation. I'm like, I'm sorry. You're probably not going to get a choir of angels and a rainbow across the sky telling you Say like, this that. is the thing. Yep. So why don't you just take an active role and try something? And if it's wrong, it'll be very evident. Yep. And, or if it's for a season and it's time for something new, it'll be very evident. Yep. And that doesn't make you indecisive. That doesn't make you wrong. It makes you a human learning and choosing to just participate in your life. Yeah. So having so much feedback, I think that it's this book became a tool and a catalyst for mm-hmm. women to do that. I was like, okay, it served it's the purpose. Such a then. gift. Yeah. You know? So, uh, and own your everyday. How do you tell people how to define their own success? Like how, mm-hmm. how do we learn how to define success so that we know when we've hit it? Yeah. Well, I think there's two ways to look at success and I have to talk about this because I think what we're most familiar with is the macro level of success. The, I want to launch a book or Mm -hmm. I want to make X amount of dollars or whatever this like big macro goal is, which is I think part of it. But I think in doing that, sometimes we overlook the micro, I call it micro success factors, Mm -hmm. which is basically just what makes every single day a success because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed, you know, three months from now. And so have these aims. I think we all need to have an aim in life. I think we Mm -hmm. need to have goals. I think we need to have a target to, to aim for. But I kind of always have to remember, like, and what's the bullseye today? Because if I can go to bed every single day seeing today as a success, mm. then that's going to not only prepare me for these bigger successes and make me a more disciplined, intentional person, yeah. but I'm also going to stop thinking I'm waiting for my big success and actually start living in my life. Come on. So I kind of look at it like, okay, what are my micro success factors? What are my micro daily success factors? And if I achieved each one of those every day, if it was three to four things, I would call today a success. Yeah. And I'm a successful person. Yeah. 
And then I think that helps with the comparison game too. So I say things like, I prayed today. Mm-hmm. I moved my body today. I was present with my husband for an intentional amount of time today. And I moved the needle on a project in my life. Like whether yeah. that was writing a thousand words in a book or, you know, finishing a course module or finalizing a contract for a speaking event, whatever the thing is. And I think if I can go through that simple list of three or four things and say, today was a success. Yeah. You audit your days that way. And then you stop feeling like, oh, I'm not succeeding in anything. Oh, I don't know my huge dream yet. Even if you've done all the laundry and you've cooked food and you've sent all the emails and you posted on Instagram, if you don't ahead of time kind of say, here's what success will look like today, you go, I wasted the whole day. Mm -hmm. We're like, no, girl, you got all that laundry done. Right. And I think we have to know that for for me in this season, laundry is not a a measure of success. But- for someone else, uh-huh. it probably really is because yeah. that's a feat, yes. right? And I think we have – that's why it's like this idea of success only being career-oriented. Yeah, I think a portion of it is, absolutely. And I think when we start showing up in these everyday areas of our life, it only enables the career success, mm-hmm. right? It only sets us up for success there to be yeah. more effective. I think if we're ineffective in our everyday, we're not going to be effective in the, or, in the extraordinary things. Mm. And so that's, I think, a big challenge I've had to learn. And so simple, simple ways of looking at success like that. What's my micro level? And what's my macro level? And how do I think that also takes the pressure off? Yeah. A lot. Talk about the first time you held your book in Spanish. <laughs> you know, this is a really special thing for me just yeah. because my grandmother was from Mexico, which is funny because I don't look Latina at all. The blue eyes kind of make it tough, but uh-huh. I have a lot of Latina heritage. And my she was actually Spaniard, but she was born and raised in Mexico. Okay. So Mexican like culture. But Spanish bloodline. Yes. So that's where the light skin comes yes. from. Anyways, so my mom's first language was Spanish growing up. I grew up in a house where my grandmother and my mom always spoke Spanish to each other. Um, I was relatively proficient in high school because when my grandmother was getting sick, she actually lost English first because of dementia. You usually lose what you learned soonest. Oh, my gosh. Or most recently. So yes. she learned English much later in her life, like yeah. in her 20s and 30s. She and my grandfather, my grandfather was um, blue eyes, like blonde hair. And did not know a lick of Spanish. They Ah. met when he was doing a project in Mexico. (gasps) And she didn't know any English. So they communicated with a Spanish-English dictionary. Isn't no, they like fell in love over a dictionary. Isn't that hilarious? I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. So just crazy, like just crazy story. But, you know, she came here when she married him. And um, that, you know, obviously my mom was the fourth child. And my mom's first language was Spanish. She grew up speaking that. It was in my household when I was growing up. And so when my grandmother got sick, you know, she lost her English first, but remembered Spanish. So the only way to communicate with her was in Spanish. So I became much more proficient. I wouldn't say I was ever fully fluent because I also was like, I don't really care. You know, right. like, I don't know why I wish I Grandma's would have. never going to want to talk about that topic. Yeah. So I don't have to learn any of those vocabulary. Right. 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 <laughs> I wish I would have been a little bit more intentional about it because it was it, I was surrounded by it in right. my house. And I know enough. I mean, I can understand when I hear it all the time. Yeah. I have to basically re- – basically what happened is after she passed away um, when I was in college, I basically wanted nothing to do with Spanish. It was like a pain point for me. Mm. It was hard for me to hear. It's like when you smell something sure. that reminds you of someone that you've lost. Or, yeah. So when I would hear Spanish, I was like, ah, let's not. So it took me several years to kind of come back around to actually hearing and speaking in Spanish. Yeah. And so I lost a lot of my ability to really communicate. And so I've been working on getting that back a little bit. But if I'm sur- if I'm surrounded by it, like I went on a mission trip to Honduras and three days in, I'm starting to translate. Like yeah. I was picking it back up. It yeah. comes back. It's like riding a bike kind of. But I can't just do it on the fly anymore, unfortunately. But all that to say, it's a very special language to me. And I dedicated the book to my grandmother. And yeah. she's a big part of the story just because she was the one when I was 11 years old. Out of nowhere, I don't know why, she says, well, I predict one day you will write a book. Oh my gosh. Isn't that amazing? Yes. And she was the one who was teaching me how to take big steps and do these things as a child that really had a lot of significance later in my life. And so even though I lost her, she was a very close friend of mine. She was like a second mom almost. Yeah. She, it, it was a very close relationship. So anyways, because that was so much part of the relationship with her to see that the very first language it was translated to was Spanish, 
was just so special to me and my family. My mom almost started crying, you know, so it's just a really neat full circle moment. It is amazing to think um, that our books we write in English could end up in other languages around the world. That is just like beyond what you think is going to happen when you're typing Absolutely. on your computer. Especially when I use words that I'm like, I don't think this translates to another language. I think I just, <laughs> I think I just made that one up. <laughs> That's right. And somewhere the translator for Spanish is yeah. like, I don't know how to say yeah. this, so I'm going to say something different. My, my team jokes that I have Jordanese. Yeah. It's like my own language where I like throw these words in or say certain things or yeah. phrases, and they're like, we don't really know what that means. But you just gave it meaning. So. Right, right. So now we'll use it. <laughs> it's but a thingamajig or it will whatever. It not be translated into Spanish. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I thought that was really special when I saw you talking about that. I thought, man, that that has to mean my grandmothers both mean a lot to me as well. They mm. both passed away. And one of them owned a bookstore called Downs Books, which is why that's the name oh, of our company. Wow. And so it, it just is very like I'm very moved and inspired by my grandmothers. Mm-hmm. And so I love hearing other people's grandmother yeah. stories. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so that's sweet. Cool. Awesome. Um, so y'all drive back to Indy today. We drive back to Indy. Well, actually, we might stay. We might okay. stay because it's kind of like Come we on. could get late, you know. So might grab some food in Nashville, and we're like, where we have y'all eaten so far? Well, we did milk and honey, of course. Well uh, done. Cork and cow. Okay, all the double names <laughs> yes. involving a cow. <laughs> yeah, cork and cow, so good in it. That's it not in Franklin, so, so it's not my area yes. of expertise, but it is delicious. Yes, it yeah. is really good. So we'll see. My husband's a total foodie. He went into Five Daughters, Five yes, Daughters Bakery. Good. Okay. That was like the priority. We yeah. got out of a meeting this morning, and I'm like, where are we going? He's like, to get donuts. And he never <laughs> eats the donuts. One at the factory like, or do you the one in 12 South? In 12 South. Yeah. Yeah. But That's it's great. great. It was so good. The croissant. Y'all it? would fit really well in Tulsa South. I mean, I'm not trying to get you to move here, but I'm trying to get you to move here. <laughs> we are driving like and he says, he goes, South. you know, I like, I like Tennessee. We could, we could work on this. Oh, see, we could do this. Okay. I'm just yeah. going to start. I'm just, I'll just take it to the Lord. I won't pressure you, but I will start sending you pictures in the fall. Prayers, not pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's my next book. Prayers, not pressure. Let your friends make their life choices. Oh, There's the subtitle. But, but influenced divinely. Yeah. I'm for sure going to ask your husband where y'all going to eat dinner then. I have, yes. great, I have a couple of suggestions. Okay. He's the foodie in the family. Yeah. That's for sure. He's the chef in the family too. When we got married, I could do like pizza and pasta and salad. Yeah. And he would make these gourmet dishes and he would just know how to pair like flavors. I was like, I'm kind of insecure right now. <laughs> You're like, you're like cooking. I really like okay. it. I'm really, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. But if my grandma asks, I'm the one that's cooking. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's all she wants to know. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I have a really good friend in California and I, when I had the realization of like, I don't love cooking. Mm-hmm. Is this going to make me a bad wife? <laughs> He's like, you being Southern is killing me yeah. because that does not matter. Yeah, it was like, it is not 1940. Yeah, you I do know. not have to care. That is hilarious. That's, that was the biggest lesson for me because I think I had these traditional ideas. Like, yeah. And then our marriage was so untraditional. I'm like, I'm working. You're kind of working, but you're also training for football. Yeah. You're cooking yeah. and doing laundry and I'm building this over here. Are we doing something wrong? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Are we broken? Yeah. Like, we're upside down. But it's become the best thing. And I it think works, had we said, no, yeah. we have to force this mold of what it's supposed to be. And it, and I think I knew. I was like, you know what? My goal is to like get this to a place where like when I want to have kids one day or whatever, like you can take and run with it. Yeah. You know, like there's yeah. seasons for things. And, yes. I, and I think that's cool. And I think that's yeah. okay. So. I think that's brilliant. Um, okay. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? I mean, besides you and I, there yeah. are a thousand things left for us. I'm like, well, we friendship. can just turn off yeah. the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's things that maybe everyone doesn't need to know. That's no. right. That's right. We'll save that for you. But that's right. No, I, I'm just so thankful to get to sit down and chat and talk about important things and things that I think that, wow. you know, 
we relate on so much. Yeah. I feel like we have such similar approaches toward doing this type of work yeah. and serving our communities. And yeah. so getting really to be grateful. friends with your friends is awesome. Yeah. So. Well, I feel the same about you. I'm, I'm grateful you made time when you're in town. You're like, yeah. I mean, if, if people could see our text message where I'm like, are you any chance you're in town this day? You're like, no, any chance I can come that day? Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. So <laughs> it worked out. It worked. Um, okay. The last question we always ask, hmm. because the show's called That Sounds Fun, tell hmm. me what y'all do for fun. Okay. So we just got these electric bikes. They're like pedal assist bikes. Yes. Have you heard of them? I've heard of them, but that is as much as I know. Okay. The Beth Keys are huge on this and they were the yes. ones that exposed us to this. Okay. And um, we've been, we write, we live out in the country and okay. there's some neighborhoods going up, but we're basically like out in the country. Yeah. And so we'll go ride on the country roads and we'll put the pedal assist on and we just like fly up hills. It's so oh, much fun. And so I'm you like, pedal when it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's really terrible and you need some assist. Yes. We call it exercise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, got my workout in. <laughs> My Apple Watch is showing twelve you. miles, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I really We're good. but we'll bike we'll bike to like we live kind of outside the city in yeah. Indianapolis. So we'll bike like ten miles into the city, fifteen miles into the city, have dinner. It's not like meant to be a hard workout, but it's just fun. Yeah. We just we're like biking all over and in yeah. the trails. So it's and, like a scooter, like an actual scooter, not like a it's like Lime. a bike moped combo. Yes, moped. That's yes, the better word. A bike best. moped combo. Yeah. So, so you can go 15 fun. miles and not be sweaty when you get to dinner. Well, maybe a little sweaty, but not yeah. too sweaty. <laughs> yeah. You're you like, have some bugs in your face. The last mile, we got to turn on the gas so <laughs> yeah. that the wind yeah. makes me not sweat anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so no, we've had a lot of fun with that this summer. It's been a really fun like toy that we can do yeah. together because we each have one. Yeah, so. that's a great idea. Okay, yeah. good answer. Well yeah. done. <laughs> well, thanks for doing this. Thank you for making time. Absolutely. I think the world of you. I'm such a fan and friend. So I'm thankful. Oh, friends, don't you love her? She's just a firecracker. She's smart and she's kind. And she I just am thrilled to be friends with her. I just really, really enjoyed meeting her and her husband and getting to spend time with them and getting to chat with them for the show. So make sure you're following Jordan Dooley. She's got so many offerings for you from her book, Own Your Every Day, to courses. I mean, she just, she's a machine, y'all. She doesn't stop until she stops and takes a rest. Uh, she's just awesome. So make sure you're following her. Make sure you're a part of what she is working on. I think she is helpful for all of us. Hey, if you need anything else from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs all over the internet. F for Fab Fit Fun because that was fun to open that box. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places. That's how you can find me. Hey, this week is kind of special. On Saturday, November 23rd, it is our birthday, the fifth birthday of That Sounds Fun, the podcast. And we have got something special for you. You guys know that I've been working on a new book. And you guys, we want you to be a part of it, but just podcast listeners. So I'm not telling anybody on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the other places you can find me. I'm not even telling them. This is just for y'all. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you tune in on Saturday because you are going to get first dibs on being a part of the book and get to know what it is about first. So that is coming Saturday. So when you open your app on Saturday, don't be surprised. It's going to say happy fifth birthday. But you know, when you get listening, we're talking about the new book and how you get to be a part of it. I'm so excited. And then next week, we kick off Christmas with our new Christmas music and some awesome shows. And then, as you know, from the Advent show, we're doing 12 days of Christmas in a row. We are doing 12 shows in a row. What am I thinking? It is going to be so fun. So y'all just get ready. Get your listening ears ready because December is going to be really, really fun. I think that's it for me today, friends. Those are all my announcements. <laughs> and 
Go out and do something that sounds fun to you. I will do the same. We'll see you here on Saturday for the birthday show. And then we'll see you back here on Monday for a very special show with Barrett and Jordan from Able. I think you're going to love it. So y'all have a great weekend. I'll see you Saturday. You know how I feel about birthdays. And then we'll be back here together on Monday.